welcome to day 74 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with David Keefe and Matt Kresge. We've continued a year-long journey through the New Testament. We've begun the year in Luke and Acts, which is a beautiful story, both of the work of the Holy Spirit through the Lord Jesus Christ as he ministered on earth through his death and resurrection and his continued work through his church, through the Holy Spirit as the gospel spread from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. We find ourselves in the middle of uh, Paul's first, Paul and Barnabas's first missionary journey. Uh, the gospel spread largely because of persecution, but the church at Antioch deliberately hears the Holy Spirit, sets aside Paul and Barnabas, and they send them out. And they minister, you know, in a region, you know, that's beginning with uh, Barnabas's home uh, region of Cyprus, and then they move into uh, modern-day Turkey, where they uh, this would be the time and the place where the letter of Galatians was uh, written shortly after this ministry to strengthen the church. Most of these churches are in the area that used to be ancient uh, Galatia. So we pick up uh, at Iconium in chapter 14. Uh, but before we go there, let's always pause and remember we come to the Word to be shaped by the Word, to hear our Lord's heart, to be shaped by Him, formed by Him, into the image of his son to love him more serve him more fully and uh, set our hope on him more completely so before we do that matt why don't you uh, lift us up yeah father we um, pray exactly that 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 you would um, continue to do a, a great work in us father you would that you would receive um, much honor and glory through what you continue to do um, in us and in your church. And, and so we pray as we um, read your word together in this moment that, that you would be glorified, uh, that this time would be set apart for you, that you would um, use it to accomplish your purposes. God, thank you that you are active in, in, in our lives and the life of the church, that, yeah. that you are um, you're not distant. And so we, we pray not just for um, more information as we read, but we pray that we would draw near to you and you would draw near to us. Thank you for that promise in Scripture. And God, be with us as we read together. Give us wisdom. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided, some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the both Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe into the surrounding country where they continue to preach the gospel. In Lystra, there was a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the men jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done. They shouted in Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was a chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gate because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out in the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human, like you. 
We're bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their season. He provides for you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside of the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. And they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Adelai. From Adelai, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work that they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Uh, we come to the end of a momentous time in the church, the first missionary journey. Uh, we've seen Paul already preach in the synagogue, and we hear his message as he recounts the Old Testament story and how that's fulfilled uh, through David, uh, through the promises God made through David that were fulfilled in Christ. Here we find him, you and Lister and Derby, speaking largely to a Roman pagan audience, and he goes back instead of to the story of Israel, to the story of creation, how God is a creator who has given us good things, filled our life with good things. And you see this similar, you know, in, in Athens, uh, you know, to the Jews, he will go back through Scripture. To those who are not familiar with Scripture, he always returns to creation and to the fact that one day the God who has given you all these good things will call you to account. He uh, will not only be your good and uh, loving creator or providentially caring creator, but he will also be your judge. Hmm. What are some of the other things that stand out as you guys uh, look at this passage? I mean, one of them just right off the bat is... Um I mean, so cool to, to read that first sentence there. You know, they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. So again, seeing people added to the faith, people added to the body of Christ. But even when the gospel kind of enters into this city, you can see the division that it's already starting to cause. Absolutely. You know, we have some who are siding with the Jews who are trying to disrupt and, and, and kind of poison the minds of, of those, again, poison the minds of the of people of the city against Barnabas and Saul, but now there are those that are believing the apostles, and, and, and even we today find ourselves in a city that is divided on the person and work of Jesus. And so the gospel is obviously going to unite people as we see it doing here, but it's also divisive, which is something we should be reminded of. Now, ultimately, you know, the gospel is going to you know, cause a division between exactly these two groups, those those who believe and those who refuse to believe the way that, you know, the, they're described here. And it's usually not just a casual, you know, uh, lack of belief, but it, it's uh, many times a very aggressive, uh, you know, as, as there is a sense of conviction working, there's a very aggressive response, you know, to the gospel. And uh, you, you can't expect, you know, Jesus told us to expect persecution. The early church certainly endured persecution. Uh, we, in, in our country, we, it's kind of minor, 
Uh, I'm, I'm sure people you know frown at us a little bit mm-hmm. think we're kind of crazy but that that's about the limit of it but many of our brothers and sisters are undergoing great persecution yeah I love to um, in, in verse 3 it says so Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them yeah. to perform signs and wonders and well, we just studied this in, in Hebrews where it talks about you know don't drift from this gospel this trustworthy message because God himself has testified to the message. And, and so we see that exactly as the church is beginning to, to grow and thrive. You know, the, it's, it's not just the, the disciples and the apostles taking the, the message out and you no. know, under their authority saying, hey, this is why it's trustworthy. God continues to be with them and confirm it uh, and enable them. You know, to, to perform signs and wonders. Yeah, and we we ought to see that, you know, one of those is primary and the other is secondary. Exactly right. uh, the message of grace is primary. Mm-hmm. Uh, the signs and the wonders are, are secondary. Yeah. And their purpose is to serve, you know, the message of the message of the gospel, not to become, you know, the heart of the gospel. And a lot of times we, we get that reversed. We look for the sensational, which really is not uh, the sensational what is sensational is how God has rescued us through sin in Christ Jesus and I think you know as Paul described the message you know justified us in a way that the law could never justify us you know making us you know right right before him when you talked about Galatia right that like Paul's going to write to the Galatians to these churches and he's I'm astonished that you've so quickly deserted the gospel That's that, right, I mean, yeah. this is why he spent so much time preaching and teaching no that it's not, hey, I'm astonished that you're not continuing the signs and wonders or reflecting those. It's, yeah. you know, turn back to this message. You've heard it first. Right. And you can see in this passage the superstitions, you know, from, you know, their Gentile culture that they're dealing with on the one side and the legalism from the Jewish culture yeah. that they're dealing with on the other side. And neither one of those, you know, convey, you know, convey the true gospel. I uh, like, you know, verse 5 in, in the uh, NIV, there was a plot of foot among them. <laughs> plot of foot. <laughs> sounds sure, a little exactly Sherlock. exactly what it says in the Greek. Sounds a yeah. little yeah. Sherlock Homian yeah. there. So a uh, new international version obviously has some uh, English uh, writers there. So I guess it's that uh, Sir Arthur Conan Dahl kind of uh, texture in that. Uh, as they do that. And then I also kind of laugh at the line to mistreat them and then stone them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, yeah, that's pretty much a... That's a plot. That's, that's mistreating. That's, <laughs> <laughs> if it gets to you're throwing rocks at me, you are mistreating me. Uh, but even in the middle of that, what you know, they they go elsewhere and they continue to preach the gospel. Um, that's the thing I find so encouraging and also convicting. It's like you can't get these guys down, man. Like we're gonna see later, right? Like you know, Saul gets dragged out stone they think he's dead well the next day he's up and going again right like let, let's keep it going and uh yeah. just love seeing these guys faithfulness no, a deep commitment yeah. to the gospel regardless of the response to the gospel which we really could benefit you know from this in day our our call is to be faithful to the gospel our, our call is not to be responsible for how people you know respond to us obviously we were to do it you know as peter would later tell us with gentleness and respect so that anyone who slanders us might be ashamed of their slander when they see the depth of our character. But to carry the gospel well is, is, is our, our job. We're not responsible uh, you know, for the response of people around us. We're just responsible to be faithful to what you know, God has, has called us to do. Yeah. And of course you see Paul you know, in Lystra as he's speaking, <laughs> you know, locking eyes with a guy and he, he can tell that he has uh, you know the Holy Spirit's at work in his life, and then he has faith, and the faith to be healed. Uh, 
And of course, what we just talked about, that secondary, mm-hmm. there's a, um, a greater healing that's also you know, taking place. And they cause him to, you know, to stand on his feet. And when the crowd sees this, there, there's kind of an interesting folk tale about you know, mm-hmm. Lystra and Derby. Uh, were years before Zeus and Hermes had come to the city and they walked from house to house asking for hospitality and a thousand homes rejected them and they came to this older couple and uh, the older couple brought them in and so they turned their house into a temple and of course here in Lister and Derby there was a great temple to Zeus and they called on I believe Philemon was the name and Bacchus was her name uh, were made priests and exalted, and then they killed the thousand people that refused oh, hospitality. So this this group is thinking, uh, we're going to get it right this time. <laughs> if Zeus and Hermes are Welcome. here, we're offering sacrifices. <laughs> and, you, there's even just a weird thing here too, right? Yeah. You know, like I mean, you know, Barnabas and Paul, they're they're, they're these pastors driving around, they're preaching the message, and and they're getting all this praise right here. Which I think, if any pastor is honest with themselves, they kind of this sounds appealing, right? To have people think that you are just this superhuman you've hung the moon you can do no wrong type of guy I, not me matt do you ever have that feeling <laughs> no. that well we have just such probably, a human, probably just probably read, a, read chapter 12 so probably a huge celebrity yeah probably a david culture in, in our age yeah. and i just love how he responds to him in verse 15 friends you know why are you doing these things we too are only human yeah. you know like pastors are just human and and what a good reminder to the people to not over okay here's here's what bit. stands out to me in this All passage right. Uh, one day they want to call you a god. Next day they want to stone you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's what minister feels like to me. Yep. Wow, you're so wonderful. We're going to stone you. Well, and what, what a contrast. I mean, yeah. Luke is brilliant because we just met in chapter 12, at the very end of chapter 12. You know, the last time we see a crowd shouting out, you know, hey, he has the voice of a god. God strikes Herod. Yeah, with Herod. It was a Herod's Absolute, response. Absolutely. And so now we get the voice again saying, man, these are gods. And what a complete opposite response. You they see the proper response. And, and you see even, you know, David, um, even though I made fun of you, which I'll probably always do. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> you know, you see what should be the proper response among those yeah. in the celebrity culture. No way. Yeah, no, no, not me. They rip their clothes and say, we are frail humanity like you are. We're telling you to turn. I love the message here. We're yeah. bringing you the good news, telling you to turn from worthless things to the living God. And, and of course, that is the heart of the gospel for modern suburbia. We become so enamored with the common graces that God has given us of nice homes and nice places to eat and to entertain ourselves and uh, you know the endless possibilities of you know, just kind of being occupied and caught up in the things of the world. The, these are nice things that God has given us, but when they become ultimate things, we we lose sight of the gospel. And, and the call is for us to to turn away from lesser things, you know, to the living God who made heavens and the earth. Um, He's not left you without testimony. Verse 17, he's shown you kindness by giving you rain from heaven, crops in the season. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. What a wonderful word that uh, God causes his rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Mm-hmm. He has been good to us all. Mm-hmm. In the hopes, Paul said that his kindness would lead us to repentance. And then, you know, after he's stoned and the disciples gather him again and, and take him back to the city, the next day they leave for Derby and and they're preaching and they're strengthening, right there it says verse 22, strengthening the disciples and encourage them to remain true to the faith. And they say, you must go through many hardships, enter the kingdom of God, yeah. which they have just gone through and numerous others. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they are preaching, not just telling the people, but 
they've gone through this themselves. And so they are reminding them of the very things we're going through that are difficult for the kingdom. You're going to go through difficulty too. And I think at least in our day and age, so often we're, we're confused when it gets difficult following Jesus. And they're telling us, no, this is actually very normative. Well, we, we do have a prosperity gospel that's kind of buried in the back of our culture, in the back of our minds, that uh, if we are following Jesus rightly, then everything will go well for us. And that is never guaranteed. Um, we, we live in a broken world, and we will experience broken world experiences, you know, like the rest of our, you know, um, the rest of the people around us, but we do have the grace of the Holy Spirit who is walking beside us, and we find, you know, joy even in our suffering. Matter of fact, we can rejoice in our suffering because God has turned the reverse of the curse of suffering to a sanctifying work in our hearts and lives, which draws closer to Him. And uh, one day, of course, He'll eliminate suffering altogether. And there's so much more in this passage, but as usual, we've outrun the clock. Yep. So uh, let's, uh, let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, help us to turn from worthless things to the living God. We thank you that you have been kind to us in every way, but never more rich in kindness than when you gave us the Lord Jesus Christ. And you took, took people who were far away and brought them near in him and blessed us with every spiritual blessing in him. May we rejoice as Jesus reminded the disciples in Luke, not that demons flee in our name, but our names are written in your book. In your precious name. Amen.